I want you to hit me as hard as you can. He's best buddies with Vladimir Putin and the Dalai Lama, who made him a deity. That's right, Steven Seagal is a deity. And he used his holy powers to succeed in the worlds of martial arts, Hollywood, rock and roll, law enforcement, and law breaking. Sensei Steven has brought us a few really great movies early on in his career. But somewhere between now and the 1990s, Steven's punches seem to have softened and his box office appeal has been completely annihilated. But he's still good old Steven Seagal. You know, he's a, he's a conversation starter. Every time you mention Steven Seagal around a celebrity, they have a story about him and it's never good. But he's always cranking out movies and you gotta respect that, for better or worse. And my god, that amazing ponytail, which turned into some sort of tar-soaked toupee, and that glorious goatee, oh my. It's like a fuzzy face donut. He used to feel like a legit threatening force on screen. Like a kicking, punching young Marlon Brando. But nowadays he feels like a slumping, sitting, old Marlon Brando. Without the acting chops. Just the karate chops. You wanna kill her, kill her. I don't mind if you kill her, you know, cause I don't know her at all. The dude is a badass, and I'm not sure if that's 100% true or not, but it is in my heart, and that's all that matters. Steven Seagal certainly believes in Steven Seagal. He never rehearses, if you couldn't tell, and he even dissed Liam Neeson's punching skills. This journalist suddenly said, hey, what do you think of Steven Seagal saying you don't know how to punch? I was like, what? <laughs> and like I said, it seems like every co-star has a horror story about working with good old Stevie boy, and so does every wife and girlfriend. Pretty much every female ever. So how did this lovable fighting machine become one of the most hated celebrities ever of all time? Find out on today's episode of WTF, where we ask the question that's on everyone's mind, what the f*** happened to Steven Seagal? I just met with the Dalai Lama and he, in his wisdom, decided to make me a deity. <laughs> And he gives him the, the quaint karang the dong the ding da dong the dong whatever. And then, so now, and I f you know, I feel a difference. I feel like I, an enlightenment, the sense of, that I can do something now. And everything just seems to come into place for me, spiritually, and in my career. And I feel like it's certain, certain things now that never made sense to me, make sense to me on a universal level. And his assistant comes up to him and says, Hey, Stephen, uh, your, your ex-wife called. You can't bring the kids over this weekend. You tell that <laughs> she doesn't get those kids over here. I'll break her neck. <laughs> <laughs> Deity. But to truly understand what the f happened to Steven Seagal, we must start at the beginning. His full name is Steven Frederick Seagal, Frederick, and he's a black belt in Aikido, a style of martial arts that both defends against the attacker while also protecting that same attacker from injury. The primary goal of Aikido is to overcome oneself instead of cultivating violence or aggression. It's like peaceful violence. You don't want to hurt anybody, do you, Steven? But how did he get into show business, you ask? 
Well, he was Super Agent Mike Ovitz's martial arts teacher, and Ovitz was the most powerful guy in Hollywood at that time, and he got Seagal into doing choreography and training early on. He was actually Sean Connery's martial arts instructor for Never Say Never Again, and broke Connery's wrist. Rest in peace. The super agent Michael Ovitz was so super that he believed that he could turn anyone, and I mean anyone, into a movie star. And that's how Steven Seagal became a movie star. Almost like the plot of She's All That. And Steven Seagal is all that. This led to the film Above the Law in 1988. Seagal wrote the screenplay, which he always said was based on his CIA experience, which is all bullshit. One of Steven's many fabrications, there is absolutely no record of Steven Seagal working for the CIA. But then again, why would there be? Which means he probably is telling the truth. So actually, I, I believe you, Steven. I believe you now. <laughs> then came Hard to Kill in 1990. It was a much bigger hit. This action flick had the largest three-day opening in February at the time of its release, with 9.2 million, and it went on to gross just under 50 million dollars, back when that was a lot of money. I remember you. Then Steven Seagal really wanted to play the Danny Glover part in Predator 2, but the director, Stephen Hopkins, said no way and Seagal went crazy with anger. And so instead of Predator 2, he did a movie called Marked for Death. Marked for Death was named the most violent movie of 1990 by the National Coalition of TV Violence. And Steven Seagal says this film has the best fight scene he's ever done, as well as his favorite kill. Up next was Out for Justice, which many people think is Steven Seagal's best movie. He plays an Italian cop, cultural appropriation, and while promoting this flick, his ego was on overdrive and gave an infamous interview on Arsenio where he basically said that he's the only legit action hero. I think that that's a matter of opinion, that he was a champion anywhere. Out for Justice was probably the best use of Steven Seagal's skills. His character is surrounded by a great supporting cast. And so there's always somebody there to pick up the slack. Just enough Steviness. Not too much, just right. This is actually a well-directed, dark, gritty crime thriller that just so happens to have a big, dumb action hero in the center of it. And it works really well. Seagal didn't suck the artistic soul out of this one. It's probably his best acting, even with the ridiculous Brooklyn accent. And the villain in the movie is absolutely terrifying. That's for Bobby. The original title for Out for Justice was The Price of Our Blood, but Warner Brothers demanded it be changed to keep in line with Seagal's other hit films that all had three words in the title. Above the law, hard to kill, marked for death, out for justice. You know, three, the holy trinity, third time's a charm. 
Three's company. They saw a winning pattern with that three-word title thing, and the Warner Brothers and their sister Dot were not gonna break that winning pattern. <laughs> and like everyone, the director has said that he hated working with Steven Seagal, because Steven Seagal was always showing up late and acting like Steven Seagal. Seagal was infamous for actually hitting his stuntmen, saying that it looked more realistic when he would actually punch them. But you know, acting, you don't actually have to have to punch them because it's, it's a movie. But Steven Seagal did not care about that. So legendary tough guy Gene LaBelle reportedly, allegedly, taught him a lesson that he'll never forget. Well, at least his pants won't forget. And I'll let Kevin Hart tell the story because, you know, he's Kevin Hart. Kevin, please. Smells like shit everywhere. <laughs> the guy choked the shit out of Steven Seagal. He was marked for death. <laughs> and, he said, and literally, all you heard was... <laughs> How satisfying is that when the asshole on the set shits his pants? <laughs> How great is that? And since Steven was now a big shot movie star, it was time for him to host Saturday Night Live. SNL is, is the acronym. And of course it didn't go well. He has gone down as the worst host of Saturday Night Live ever. And that show's been on for a long time. There's been a lot of hosts. Even Lorne Michaels took a shot at Steven Seagal when Nicolas Cage hosted. Well, well they, they probably think I'm the biggest jerk who's, who's ever been on the show. No, no, that would be Steven Seagal. Well... The SNL cast members have all said that he was a horrible host and took himself way too seriously and lacked the simplest understanding of comedy. He was also a, a, a mean, meanie, meanie face to everybody on set. NBC has pretty much erased all evidence of Steven Seagal's infamous episode. This, this right here, this SNL sketch right here is the only surviving Steven Seagal sketch. And this man managed to make a sketch featuring the hilarious Chris Farley, painfully unfunny. And still to this day, Steven Seagal holds the title of the worst SNL host in history. <laughs> Seagal's career went into overdrive with Under Siege. But this was the beginning of the end. Because if you watch the movie, you can obviously tell that director Andrew Davis, who also directed Above the Law, builds the whole movie around Tommy Lee Jones, which was probably a good idea. And still, it was a hit. This is Steven Seagal's only starring film to have a fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a good one. It's one of the best die-hard rip-offs. But this time, there's battleships. After that, Steven Seagal directed his eco-warrior passion project on Deadly Ground, which was much mocked. Roger Ebert, you know, the famous film critic guy that I always quote, said, if you like seeing stuff blown up real good, this is a movie for you. So I guess it's a movie for me. The speech at the end of the movie was originally 40 minutes long, but test audiences laughed and booed in the theater, so it was cut down to only 7 minutes, which is still painfully long. But yeah, pretty much everybody calls this one laughable and absurd. And Steven won Worst Director at the Razzies. 
when the film was nominated for six. Then he followed it up with Under Siege 2 Dark Territory. And the only reason he's even in this sequel is because the studio let him direct his passion project, you know, On Deadly Ground, the one that we, we just talked about. Seagal would arrive on set daily and change up entire scenes on the fly, which just screwed everything up. But this did lead to a funny parody on Roseanne, so let's watch that. Then came Executive Decision in 1996. It's a nice little 90s flick, but not because of Steven Seagal. Many people actually claim that the movie's only good because Steven Seagal dies early on. Spoiler alert! In fact, he was so bad in this pretty good movie that he was nominated for Worst Supporting Actor at those Razzies. And Steven Seagal attacked John Leguizamo after John Leguizamo laughed at something Steven Seagal said, thinking it was a joke. But no, Steven Seagal does not tell jokes. You never laugh at Steven, even though sometimes he's pretty dang hilarious. But then there was Glimmer Man. And this was the low point of his time with Warner Brothers. The combination of Keenan Ivory Waynes and Steven Seagal were no match for Bette Midler, Goldie Hawn, and Diane Keaton, as the Glimmer Man opened in second place behind those first wives and their club. I have something in my pocket right now that'll completely clear up that bruise on your forehead. What bruise? Oh. That bruise. Oh. Oh. And of course, Steven Seagal was continuously late for shooting, annoying that Wayne's brother. And at this time, Seagal had become deeply spiritual and no longer wanted to kill people in his movies, which was a big problem because the only reason people go see Steven Seagal movies is to watch him kill people. The year 1997 brought us Fire Down Below. At this point, Steven Seagal was kind of over, with Fire Down Below being much mocked for its sped up fight scenes and all of those scenes with Steven playing the guitar. It was too much. And this one was only nominated for four Razzie Awards. So there's that. Then there was The Patriot. No, not the one with Mel Gibson. It was an independent direct-to-video film, the first of many, which he would do where Steven Seagal plays the world's greatest immunologist, who's also an ex-CIA hitman. Yes, it's, it's, it's just as crazy as it sounds. It got poo-pooed on by the critics for being a Steven Seagal movie with barely any Steven Seagal action. But those same critics poo-pooed on Steven Seagal for having too much action. So that poor Steven Seagal, he just can't win. Next, we got Exit Wounds in 2001, the highly anticipated pairing of Steven Seagal and DMX. And of course, nobody liked working with Steven Seagal on this one, especially DMX. Surprise, surprise. It was a financial hit, actually, taking in almost $80 million worldwide on a $33 million budget. Do the math, it's, it, that's, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Then came an action film about Alcatraz that's not The Rock. It's called Half Past Dead. And it was a big floppy flop, flopping all over the place. This time, Steven decided to work with a different rapper, 
Ja Rule, and this was Steven Seagal's last big theatrical release, not including Machete in 2010. But Machete doesn't count. At this point, Steven was traveling with a Buddhist advisor, and on any given day, the Buddhist advisor would give verdicts on Steven's karma. And if the karma was unfavorable, Steven would not film that day. And that pissed everybody off, even Buddha. And like all the other directors, this director said that Steven Seagal was awful. He was a disruptive force on set that would show up late for no reason. Hey, but this one has 3% on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's, that's better than zero. Steven's movie career was slipping fast, but Steven is a businessman, and he took on the wild world of the energy drink business. Yep, Steven Seagal put his name on an energy drink in 2005. Steven Seagal's Lightning Bolt. Have you tried it? I'm gonna take a sip now. It's good to be the king, isn't it? Guess what? This could happen to you if you drink lightning bolt. Lightning bolt. Try it today. It's electric. And even though Steven's shadowy past has been questioned, there is no question that he does have some mafia ties. See, there was this producer that Steven Seagal made many movies with, but they had a falling out in the year 2000. And one day, Steven Seagal was ordered into a car and taken into a Brooklyn restaurant, where he met with a Gambino family captain, some guy named Sonny. And in the meeting, Sonny ordered Steven Seagal to go back to working with his old producer, and to pay the Gambino crime family $150,000 every time he made a film. So right then and there, Steven Seagal gave them $700,000. As he left the meeting, one of those mafia guys put his arm around Steven Seagal, looked him in the eyes, and said, Eh, if you would have said the wrong thing, they would have killed you, you see? Would have been sleeping with the fishes. Oh my god, someone's pulling the police! Hey, don't stop that! Now you stop that! You stop that right now! <laughs> Steven Seagal almost had a comeback when Jackie Chan suggested him as the villain in Rush Hour 3, but that didn't happen. And he was offered a role by Sylvester Stallone in The Expendables, but he turned down that film because he had a feud with one of the producers. So Rush Hour 3 and The Expendables would have been pretty big comebacks that would have certainly led to better things. But no. I did kind of like Machete. He played the villain in this Robert Rodriguez magnum opus, and this was the first theatrical release that Steven Seagal had been a part of in 18 years. Fuck. So, it looked like the silver screen was done with this kung fu fighter, and it was time for Steven Seagal to live in reality. Television. One of the greatest and most bizarre things to ever appear on a TV screen is the reality show Steven Seagal Lawman. Steven Seagal was a reserve deputy chief with the Jefferson Parish, Louisiana Sheriff's Office, which was a totally symbolic ceremonial status. But don't tell Steven that. He received this honorary status after Steven Seagal trained some of the officers in the late 80s, and the sheriff was so impressed that he asked Seagal to join the force, symbolically. But then when he needed to do something and have a reality show, he came back to the force and... and helped them arrest people. 
Can you imagine being arrested by Steven Seagal? Just, just sit there, imagine. What's going through these people's minds? Oh my goodness. I make a living in the movies, but for the past 20 years, I've also been a cop. The show was curiously dropped from the schedule in 2011, and no reason was ever given, although it is suspected that it has something to do with a scene filmed for the show where Seagal drove a SWAT tank into a man's home, who was suspected of running illegal cockfights, the, the rooster kind, and tragically, unfortunately, the operation ended in the death of a puppy. That's right, Steven Seagal killed a puppy with a tank. It's, it was just an accident, though. Anyone who's ever seen Out for Justice knows that Steven Seagal loves puppies, and I think he works with PETA or whatever. But Steven Seagal was sued for those damages of killing a puppy with a tank at a cockfight. After some paperwork mix-ups, the case was dropped. Then, in 2010, he dropped the reality from his television and did a fictional cop drama show called True Justice, where he delivered justice that was true. And while he had been kicking ass doing all those things, he had also been drowning in straight-to-video movies for the past 20 years. I will now read off the titles of all those motion pictures. The Foreigner. Today you die. Black Dawn. Mercenary. Mercenary. For justice. Belly of the Beast. Clementine. Into the Sun. Submerged. Flight of Fury. Urban Justice. Pistol Whipped. Against the Dark. The Keeper. A Dangerous Man. Shadow Man. A Good Man. Born to Raise Hell. Maximum Conviction. Attack Force. Force of Execution. Gut Shot Straight. Absolution. Sniper. Special Ops. Code of Honor. The Asian Connection. The Perfect Weapon. End of a Gun. Cartels. China Salesman. General Commander. Beyond the Law. Out of Reach. Out for a Kill. Driven to Kill. Contract to Kill. And something called Kill Switch which has the worst fight scene editing anyone's eyes have ever seen. And now I will let your eyes see them. And remember, children, this is an actual scene from an actual movie. I have not altered or touched anything. Th this, this right here is a real movie. Fuck you! Steven Seagal is notorious for being lazy, and is often dubbed in his own movies because he refuses to do ADR. And there seems to be a trend of directors and editors basically walking off of Steven Seagal movies, and a lot of the time he refuses to stand up in many scenes, and forces many films to revolve around him sitting down, possibly to hide that jolly kung fu Santa belly, but he has kept busy with his writing. He wrote an actual book! in 2017, called The Way of the Shadow Wolves, The Deep State and the Hijacking of America, a book about a secret globalist agenda to destroy the United States, and only one man can stop it. And that man is a thinly veiled version of Steven Seagal. That's right, Steven Seagal wrote a book about a version of himself who's not himself fighting the deep state, which is kind of based on a true story, he says. 
He calls it a fictional book based on reality. Wow. And because of that, I'm going to learn how to read. And he comes out and he said, I just read the greatest script I've ever read in my life. <laughs> he goes, really? Who wrote it? I did. <laughs> <laughs> and even though Stephen has had his fair share of cinematic crap, it's his personal life that has truly destroyed his legacy. He has had several women come forward to accuse him of casting couch situations. And he's been one of the most hashtag me guys of that whole movement. And I'm not sure about the evidence or anything of these damning accusations, but they all sound the same. There feels to be some legitimacy there, but what do I know? Don't trust anything I say. Ever. An even more criminal controversy came in the year 2020, which is the current year that I am making this. Seagal settled charges with the Securities and Exchange Commission for unlawfully promoting cryptocurrency when he failed to disclose to his followers on social media that he had been paid to promote cryptocurrencies. And who the hell is trusting Steven Seagal with cryptocurrency advice? And, and what the hell is cryptocurrency? I'm, I'm still, I'm still not, not really sure. But I want some. Send it to me now. Steven Seagal is Cockpuncher. So what the f happened to Steven Seagal? Well, he's lived in Russia since 2016 with his BFF Russian president Vladimir Putin. Yep, Putin and Seagal. Best buddies forever. Now that sounds like a reality show I want to watch. Can you imagine? Say what you want about Steven Seagal, there is no doubt that he's left his mark on cinema. And maybe a few bruises too. The man is a true inspiration. An inspiration in the world of martial arts. An inspiration to anyone who's ever wanted to make it up there on the silver screen. An inspiration to anyone who's ever thrown a punch or kicked a foot. And the inspiration for a really cool rockin' band. Steven Seagal's. He started out as a great martial artist with some great screen presence, who worked with some talented filmmakers and made a few decent flicks. But his ego got bigger than his belly, and Steven took control of his uncontrollable career, and that was a bad idea, forever dooming him to a world of straight-to-video garbage. Is there a comeback in the works? I doubt it. I mean, it worked for JCVD and other action heroes of that time, but Steven is a different breed. He has often said that Under Siege 3 and Above the Law 2 are in development, although he said that in 2016 and we ain't seen nothing. And he's considered running for office, uh, governor of Arizona, so we have uh, that to look forward to. And he's one of those Trump supporters. And we all know that's a big no-no in the land of Hollywood land. So that might have something to do with something, I don't know. So I guess if you lie about your training and your badass past, and treat everyone like crap, and make nothing but lazy, horrible movies for decades, and get involved with illegal criminal activity, and act like a jerk all the time, and hashtag me too a bunch of people, then yeah, yeah, your your movie career, uh, it might suffer. And boy howdy did Steven suffer. <laughs> Body shaming isn't cool, and if pe people shame you on the internet, you have to make sure that you say you stay strong and tell everyone you're proud of how you look. But the myths, lies, and legends that surround Steven Seagal 
have made his story even more interesting. He's way more interesting than any character he's ever played on screen. Nobody really knows the truth about the legend of Steven, which has elevated him to a status beyond just human. He's a symbol, an ass-kicking symbol, that blurs the lines between truth and fiction, east and west, art and trash, good and evil. And maybe that's exactly what we need right now. So go grab one of those few good Steven Seagal movies, pop them in your VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, streaming, whatever you got, sit back and appreciate the ass-kickingness that is Steven Seagal. Domo arigato, sensei, Steven Seagal. This is the true nature of Shunyata. What he said!